Good morning, everybody. Jacob Robery with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. Want to welcome you all into a new season of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast, guys. It has been a while, and I am excited. We are now in the best time of year. Um, many of you would agree, hunting season. We have now entered hunting season uh, here in the south, and many of you are kicking off several seasons up north right now. And guys, I, I love this time of year, I have to admit, um, but it's so glad to be back with you. Uh, thank you all for joining. We have a great show for you guys that I think you're really going to enjoy this week. We have a special guest that I think you guys are going to enjoy. One of our good friends from down the bayou right here in Louisiana uh, has a lot of waterfowl experience, guys, and we are looking forward to introducing you to him on the show. We're going to do that in just a minute. But guys, just wanted to uh, wish you all the best. I know we have been through a lot here in Louisiana over the last several weeks uh, with Hurricane Ida coming through. Um, a lot of people here have been through quite a bit. And uh, and we are now in the rebuilding process, guys. Um, you know, it, it's unfortunate that it's just around the time where hunting season's kicking up. And I know a lot of you guys are going to be occupied trying to get your uh, your lives back together as far as getting your homes back together. A lot of you have camps down in South Louisiana that are going to need rebuilding. But the good thing is, guys, we're going to get that stuff done. We're going to come back stronger than ever. Uh, you know, one thing about Louisiana, guys, is that our people are just resilient down here. And it's something that we are accustomed to over the years growing up in Louisiana uh, and experiencing hurricanes and going through that type of stuff. But you know what? We're going to build it back stronger, and it's going to come back better than ever. So we're going to push forward, and uh, we're going to get through it, man. But I want to thank a lot of you who follow the show. You've contacted me to check on us to see how things are going down here in Louisiana. And for that, I'm very grateful. Um, and I know several of you have reached out in ways that you can help and contribute uh, where needed down here. And there's been so much good that has come out of this after the storm. You know, it's it's just something that really touches my heart. And I'm really excited to see um, what the future holds. But like I mentioned, hunting season's here, guys. We are now opening up, uh, you know, till season here in Louisiana. Uh, it's in full swing. We are now, today's Sunday. Uh, we are wrapping up the second full weekend of till season here in Louisiana. And if you listen to our bonus episode we did about a month and a half back, we were giving you guys an update on all the all the reports that were coming out of the prairie potholes and the breeding grounds up north. And uh, the conditions weren't looking very good. They're experiencing one of the worst droughts that we've ever seen, um, you know, in many, many years. And the forecast from what the experts were saying is not very good. So, you know, fast forward now to where we're in, you know, the second weekend of teal season wrapping up now. We have one more week to go. Um, we've already experienced the one cold front that came through early, which is unusual for us, um, that pushed a good bit of birds down, good with a good bit of blue wing teal down, um, which we'll give you guys a report with the guests that we have on uh, this week to give you some in the field reports of what he's seeing, what they're experiencing and so on and so forth. But so far, guys, it has been a pretty successful till season. So without further ado, I want to hop right into it with everybody this week. I want to welcome to the show. We're going to try to pull him in here in a second. But uh, our guest this week that we have on with us, guys, is Mr. Roland Cortez. 
from here in South Louisiana. Roland grew up around Choctaw, Louisiana. And for those of you who don't know where that's at, that's right around Thibodeau, Louisiana. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to bring Roland in with us and get a report. And uh, we're just going to talk duck hunting, man. We're going to talk teal season so far, how it's going and so on and so forth. So let's see if we can get him in, guys. Just bear with me a second here, okay? Good morning, Roland. How's it going, Jacob? Good, man. What's going on, buddy? Oh, nothing. Just another Sunday morning in the, in the bayou. I see that. It looks like behind you, man, the weather looks good this morning. The sun's shining out there? Uh, it, it was earlier, just a little cloudy, a little foggy this morning. But, I mean, it's just nice and a little cooler this morning. I don't know if, if it's because of the weather or it's just the fog or whatever, but it is feels a little cooler this morning. Well, that's good, man. That's got to help us in the field with uh with the teal. I know you've been at it pretty heavy since the season opened up, and yeah. uh, well, so we'll talk about that in a second. But let's let's kind of introduce you to the uh, to our, our listeners, Roland. You uh you've been around the waterfowl scene for quite a while, man. You've been doing it. You uh you've been all over. Uh, but you grew up in the Thibodeau area, or Choctaw, Louisiana. Yeah, Jacob. Um, I mean, I grew up in uh, Choctaw, Louisiana, which is a couple miles, you know, kind of south of Thibodeau. Um, I just say I'm from Thibodeau because it's, everybody kind of knows where Thibodeau's at. But I, I was born and raised in Choctaw, you know, and just a good little Cajun town. You know, we're we're back in the swamp, you know, in the bayou. Down the bayou. Good old boys from down the bayou, man. And it's, it's really, I agree, it's great people down there. And, Roland, you know, we were talking when, in the opening. I was, I was talking about – you know, obviously, we just experienced one of what they call the worst hurricanes on record that uh, that affected us here in Louisiana, especially down south where you guys are, um, you know, and how are you guys recovering from that? What, what have you seen from, from Hurricane Ida so far? Um, everybody's kind of recovering really good from the storm. Uh, around here, a lot of people got hit. I, I was fortunate. I didn't get that much damage. I lost the roof on my shed and I've lost what was in my shed and a couple other, you know, structural damage to my house, but nothing major. But a lot of people around here, you know, lost a lot. And uh, we finally got power back, um, I think, last week over here. And um, some people had a lot of flooding damage towards the, the Bayou Buff Kramer area. They got that tidal surge. and uh, Some places had four or five foot of water in their home. So, you know, that area got hit pretty hard with wind and water. Where I live at in Choctaw, we just got hit with some wind and uh, a little bit of rain. But um, I, I feel for them uh, people, you know, in the Bayou Buff Kramer area. Yeah, man, it, it's uh, it's amazing to me. People keep, you know, we've had a lot of listeners and a lot of followers that follow our social media platforms. They, they've contacted me and they've uh, just to check on us. They said, hey, I know uh, we see that Louisiana got hit real hard. And it's amazing because, you know, you have you who may have been perfectly fine from the storm, no damage, but then you might have two houses over from you that got totally destroyed, man. It's amazing how it affected, you know, certain people and you all in the same vicinity. You know, uh, Jacob, I stayed for the storm. Um, I remember, you know, when Hurricane Andrew passed in uh, 1993, I mean, we had winds, I want to say around 100, uh, 110. And I was, I was still in high school at the time. And I stayed for this storm at my house, and I swear we had winds in Thibodeau 130, 140 miles an hour. I've never seen wind blow that hard in my life. Yeah. And, uh, I think was, a lot of us have talked about that. We kind of agree. That's probably one of the worst hurricanes. I, I'm 42 years old, Roland. I don't know how old you are, but that's probably one of the worst that I've ever stayed for and, and seen in person. 
I'm I'm 47, Jacob, but um, my, my mom and dad were here, and um, they went through Betsy, you know, in, uh, I think it was 56, and they yep. said uh, Ida was worse than Betsy. Really? For this, yeah. for this area. You know, Thibodeau, Homer, um, Chackby, uh, Shakta, Kramer, Racer, Lockport, all that stuff down the bayou got hit really hard with this hurricane. Yeah. Yeah, it sure did. You know, one great thing I mentioned in the beginning of the show, Roland, is Louisiana is resilient, though, man. We have people down here. We grew up generations. We, we kind of used to it. We go through this type of stuff, and we bounce back, man. You know, we have a lot of help that has come in from out of state with all the linemen that are out there working. They're all over the place right now, and we're so thankful for those guys because they're helping get the power back on, getting trees cut, all of that type of stuff, man. So one thing I noticed rolling from this this particular storm is the amount of trees that were knocked down, man. We're not going to have a hard time finding firewood for the for the camps this year. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, I mean, there's trees everywhere uh, down, you know, and um, being that we're getting towards the uh, end of September, I'm starting to think about squirrel season. And uh, it's, not yeah. looking too, it's not looking too good for the squirrels with all these trees down. A lot of them squirrels are going to be on the ground eating. Yeah, you do see that. You know, uh, a lot of them nests got knocked down. And I'm a big squirrel hunter, man. That's growing up in Evangeline Parish where I grew up at. That's a big tradition for us, uh, you know, opening weekend of squirrel season. And fortunately for our side, I, we, we have a camp in the Chafalaya Basin close to Lafayette, which kind of missed that whole, uh, that whole you know, storm for the most part. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, down south, you guys that are squirrel hunting is probably going to affect you a little bit more down there for sure. Yeah, I mean, I love to squirrel hunt too, um, you know, Jacob. That's something I like to do in October. My dad loves to eat squirrels, and that's something that I've been doing since I was a child, also. And um, I'm going to be out there hunting them. Just don't know how good it's going to be. I've been seeing a few squirrels, you know, but a lot of them on the ground. I'm just wondering how big of an impact, you know, this storm took on the squirrel population. Yeah, yeah, it'll probably affect it, man. Uh, there's no doubt, especially the reproduction, the crop of next year. You, you're going to probably see it at that point in time, you know. Yeah, I think so, you're right on that one. Well, Roland, you and I got to know each other. We we kind of uh, followed each other on social media. I know you have a big social media presence, man. Um, if you guys haven't or aren't familiar with Roland, you need to check him out. He's on Instagram, uh, Facebook, all the social media platforms. He does a lot of uh, social media activity on there and has some really good, uh, you know, pictures, videos, that type of stuff from, you know, waterfowl hunting, whatever it may be. <clears throat> And Roland, that's how we got to know each other, and you and I kind of struck up a conversation on social media, and uh, and we've been talking a while about getting together and doing a podcast. So, man, I'm glad. I, first of all, I appreciate you taking the time to come on with us this week. Uh, I know it's something that we've been talking about for a while, so I'm very glad to have you on. I think the listeners are going to enjoy your knowledge and what you got to say, man. So I wanted to, you know, first of all, thank you for coming on with us this week. Uh, Jacob, thank you, man. It's always an honor, you know, to, to talk to people and uh, teach people and show people, you know, what I do because I'm I'm very humble, and I, I've been fortunate enough, you know, to make a living in this, you know, in the waterfowl business, you know, killing, doing what I've always done, you know, hunt ducks and hunt geese. Yep, and, and you know, starting out, I know, I know, we're gonna tell people kind of what you do now and 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 you know what you have available as far as hunts and stuff like that that they could book with you, but how? Let me, let's go back to the beginning, rolling a little bit. How did you start out? How did you get involved in waterfowl hunting at an early age? Was it at an early age that you got involved with waterfowl hunting? Yeah, Jacob, I started, uh, you know, hunting at an early age. You know, I grew up in a hunting family. You know, we, 
we hunted ducks. Uh, we hunted deer. We uh, we trapped for a living. Uh, we caught alligators when I was uh, young, and um, I just was brought up in it. And I, I would have never thought, you know, growing up that I'd have made a living, you know, out of doing what I love. And, and um, it's been a good 35 or something years, you know, chasing the dream, you know. Yeah. Not a lot of guys get to say that, Roland, because, uh, you know, we all love it. Uh, those of us who hunt, we love it, but you don't necessarily get that opportunity to take it to the level that you have, you know. But uh, yeah, just to ask you, do you remember your first duck as a child that you killed, what it was and what species? It was. Um, I was hunting uh, around where I live at, you know, back in the uh, the 80s, the swamp. You know, hunting in the swamp was really good around here. And um, My uncle is actually the one that got me started, you know, duck hunting. So I went on my first duck hunt with him. And um, he left me in a spot, and they went on to another spot. And uh, I was sitting on a, on a cypress stump, and I had a, a, a mallard, you know, come in. I had a 410 crack barrel, and mallard was the first duck I shot. You know, I shot him on the water, but it, it, was, it was a duck. So a mallard was my first duck I ever shot. Man, that's that's awesome because you know most of us that first duck it tends to be a wood duck. I know mine was, uh, but to have a mallard come in for your first duck, that's got to get you hooked at an early age. Well, the the wood duck was the second duck I shot. <laughs> yeah, we got a few of those around Louisiana. Oh yeah, I love meeting. I love. I I don't get the opportunity to hunt wood ducks anymore, but man, I sure love shooting me some wood. Yep, and that's, that's some of the best eating, in my opinion, those wood ducks, man. They uh, Well, you, you mentioned something, Roland, that, you know, back in the day you hunted the swamp. Over the years, everybody's talking about how much Louisiana's changed, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit, about what you've seen hunting up north versus coming back down to Louisiana throughout the years. But back then when, when you killed that mallard, what – how did you see a, a big difference in the terrain versus what it is in the swamp nowadays? Or or how did that unfold over the years? What have you seen in your experience? Well, well, Jacob, what I can remember and, and uh, seen is that back in them times, you know, the swamp was open. There was no evasive aquatic vegetation. There was all, you know, natural forage. You know, the food is gone in the swamp because of the aquatic I mean, the invasive aquatics that came in, you know, Salvania, giant Salvania. You know, water lilies have been around a while, but it's not as bad as Salvania and giant Salvania. And I guess back around 89, 1990 is when the Salvania came into this area. And within a couple of years, it just destroyed the habitat in the swamp. And, man, I can remember as a kid, thousands of mallards coming in the swamp, you know, to hunt. And it, it was... You know, I, it was just like Stuttgart back in the day, you know, around here. I mean, uh, Thibodeau, all this area was just mallard heaven. And once you started to decline, the habitat declined in the environment, and then the mallards just never come back. And still, yeah. to this, to, still to this day, the woods that I remember shooting mallards in as a kid, I have not shot a duck in in 25 years. Wow. That's that's, you hear stories like that all the time, Roland. Uh, you know, I, I know I'm just down the road from Marpaw Swamp, uh, you know, which was historically well-known back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, a lot of the old-timers <laughs> that you speak to, my father-in-law, he's from Lutcher, Louisiana. Uh, he told me, he said, if you would have seen the amount of mallards and widgeon and gadwall that were in the swamp, he said, That's you right. wouldn't believe it. He said, we... He told me a story, Roland. He said they used to walk and deer hunt, you know, throughout the swamp. They, they'd creep these deer. 
And he said it was so loud with the mallets quacking. He said there were green heads, he said, everywhere in the swamp. He said, and he said we would, you know, at the end of the day, he said, if we didn't kill a deer, he said we'd bring, you know, our, our, our shotguns with us. They were hunting with buckshot at the time in the swamp. And he said, you try to kill a couple of ducks, he said, to bring out just to have something that day. He said, and you had to be careful because he said, you'd pick up your gun and they were so thick. He said, if you shot, he said, you might kill eight, you might kill 10. He said, you might be over the limit. You had to be careful what you shot at. He said, because they were that thick in the swamp. You know, um, at that point in time, uh, Jacob Mallers were king, you know, around here. And we'd go to the camp on the, on the weekends or on the holidays, whenever uh, we could. And man, you sit at that camp and you can hear them mallards in them woods. You hear them just, you know, feed calling real hard. And they were there. And, you know, I never thought that growing up as a kid that I'd ever see them mallards leave. And, you know, um, my grandfather died uh, right around 2000. And uh, I remember him telling me that day, he said, son, he said, boy, he said, you need to, you know, live up this memory because these mallards are not going to be here forever. And he, he wasn't lying because he's seen the aquatic. You know, the invasive aquatic come in and it just just destroyed our swamp. And, you know, if he'd uh, lived a couple more years, he'd have definitely seen that that change. Yeah. See, he, he was keen to it. He knew. He knew. He saw yeah, that he and he told you about on. it. Now, yeah. you know, every, everybody wants to talk about the weather. You know, I remember it being cold as, as, as a kid, uh, very cold. But I also remember warm, hot days too, hunting ducks in the, in the winter and swatting mosquitoes and there was never a shortage of ducks now don't get me wrong there were some days it was slow because you know back then the limit was only three ducks so you didn't have to go and kill that many so you know you go in the blind and, and um you know you shoot nine uh however many people three you know you got three people you shoot nine ducks and most of the time you shoot you know everybody would want to shoot mallards so we shoot just greenheads and um I, there was just never a shortage of ducks but i do remember you know hunting when it was hot yeah yeah, we were talking about that. I was talking to a guy at work yesterday, and we were talking about squirrel season coming up. And uh, and he told me, he said, man, he said, Jacob, I remember squirrel season opening weekend. He said, having a coat on, he said, building a fire. He said, it was cold. He said, and it seems like we haven't got that in quite a while. He said, several years, you know. Now we might get lucky. We get a little cold, a little cold front or cool front come through. And it, it might drop down into the 60s at night, you know, maybe the high 50s. Uh, you know, around October, but you don't, I don't remember the last time I actually had a, a jacket or a coat on opening week in the squirrel season. So it's changed. You can know, you notice the changes since we were kids, you know, for sure. Yep. But, uh, but you know, that's just part of it. I guess things have changed and we talk about that as hunters all the time, but, uh, but it's interesting to go back to those old days where you hear those stories about the ducks being in the swamp and, you know, how thick they were and, and to see the change over the years, with the invasive species, it's really sad to see what it's it's declined to. But uh, in your opinion, Roland, I mean, is that something that us as a state here in Louisiana, we have an opportunity to combat the invasive species? Or what's your thoughts on that as far as how do we eliminate that problem? Or is it something that we can eliminate possibly? Jacob, I, I don't know if we can eliminate the, the problem of it because it's so bad now. I mean, what was once open water is now land and you know, that, that uh, salvania, after a while, it, it produces a plant. And then it makes, you know, that plant produces like a mud and it makes what's called in French a floton. And then that floton covers that whole marsh, that whole swamp. And that's what happened. You know, what was once, I mean, we have pictures of, of duck holes that were once open water. Now it's all land. I can walk on it. So yeah. that had a lot to do with the ducks. And, and look, it didn't take long for them ducks to figure out that 
just was going on. And within a couple of years, them them ducks were gone. I mean, there's no more. They never came back. Now, yeah. still to this day, I wonder where all the mallards went because they didn't go to the marsh. So, you know, I, I really don't know where all the mallards went that used to come here. Do you think that, that you're seeing those mallards just not make their way down to Louisiana? They're staying more north? Because now, and me, we've talked about this, you and I, a little bit through social media. Uh, you know, you hear all the stories about the ducks not making it down to Louisiana like they used to. Uh, you know, they start stopping ducks up north, all this type of stuff. And there's a million theories on all that type of stuff. But, I mean, if you're not seeing them like we used to because of the invasive species down here, um, we're not seeing them make their way to the marsh, like you mentioned. Um, I would only assume that they have to be staying up north or in the midway, in the mid part of the flyway. Yeah, um, you know, Jacob, with, with the habitat and the environment deteriorating, you know, in Louisiana, I don't quite know if Louisiana can, uh, you know, hold, you know, that many ducks like they used to. You know, the coast is, is steady, you know, uh, washing away, and uh, I'm just. I'm just wondering, you know, weather has a lot to do with duck migration. And by us having these mild winters, these ducks are staying further and further north. And, you know, farming for ducks is a big practice now up north. And a lot of places now that farm for ducks didn't farm for ducks 25 years ago. And them ducks don't have to come to Louisiana no more. You know, and a duck, a duck has a brain the size of a pea, but he's only going to go as far as he needs to go. You know, um, as far as food lets him. So if it doesn't get cold, no, I, and I'm talking snow. I ain't talking ice. I'm talking snow. If snow doesn't fall past St. Louis, Missouri, a duck's not going to, a mallard duck ain't going to go past, you know, St. Louis, Missouri. Now you have your other ducks. One like sec. Now you've got you back. Sorry, Roland. We lost you for a quick second there with the connection. But, uh, but yeah, that's a very good point. What you said, they're not having to make their way down. They're not going to make their way down. You know, that's just how it is. So, but can you hear me, Roland? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, gotcha. I just want to check the connection, man. Make sure. Bear with us, guys. We're, we're doing this, uh, you know, through internet connections and with the storm. It's kind of uh, affected all our internet connections just a tad bit. But, uh, well, Roland, let's kind of focus on, on what we're going through right now. We are now in the heart of teal season here in South Louisiana. And, man, I know you've been at it every day. Uh, now, Roland, you work – let me just clarify. You work, a, you work a full-time job, and then you also do some guiding, right? Correct? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, you know, I work a full-time job. I work at the Dow Chemical in uh, St. Charles Parish. And uh, during the winter, you know, plant work plant work gets kind of slow, so I take a leave of absence during the winter, which allows me to hunt, you know, 100 days, you know, uh, a season. Yeah, that works out really well, man. That's, that's that sounds like a good plan. I need to maybe follow in those footsteps for sure, man. But yeah. uh, <laughs> them, 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 them jobs come far and few in between. Trust me, it took me a long time to get that job. I hear you. I hear you. That's that's a, that's a tough one. I know. I'm sure they locked those up pretty quickly. Well, you you've been out there every day since. I mean, you pretty much from what I've seen, me and you've been talking just about every other day or every day through social media. I know you've been out there hunting. Uh, you know, a lot of people didn't know what to expect with uh, Hurricane Ida coming through, like we mentioned, with till season. Uh, now we are in the second full week. We're wrapping up the second weekend of till season. We have one more week ahead of us that we're going to uh, – and that will wrap it up for this year. So give us the lowdown on what you have – where have you been hunting? Uh, 
are you guiding right now? Are you taking people on guided hunts for teal season? What's going on in your world, and what are you seeing out there in the field for teal season? Well, Jacob, I, I'm, I don't guide during teal season. I just fun hunt, and um, I've been hunting mostly around my house. Uh, I've got some uh, some flooded, you know, WRP, CRP fields that caught some rainwater, and it's just regular old barnyard grass that grows up in these fields. And, um, you know, the teal love it, you know, um, that time of year, but been seeing a lot, you know, the teal have been here. I've been getting good reports from my friends as well that have been hunting. Um, it started off good and was just really good. And, you know, out in the gate on areas, rice field areas, they've been doing really good. Uh, my buddy John associated with Sportsman Charters, they've been killing a lot of teal in the rice fields. You know, the the, the marsh hunting has been, it's, it's been good, but it's been a little sparse because you can't really get to the marsh because of all the, the damage from Hurricane Ida, you know, so it's kind of hard to get in the marsh. Um, so people hasn't been hunting marsh much, but the people that have been going, you know, they've been doing pretty well. Now, the last couple of days, um, it's been a little slow. I, I think we've seen a stall in the migration. The rain we had kind of moved the teal around a little bit, but I really do believe that Wednesday when this front comes through, we're really going to see a big push from the north because my buddies up in Arkansas and Missouri are seeing a lot of teal coming through. So, I got a feeling that we're going to um, get a big push of teal coming. And no, mostly I've noticed, too, that we've been shooting a lot of females. So that's telling me that uh, there's more to come. You know, the males are coming. The females are bringing the young ones, and then the males are coming behind them. So I really do think that there's a, a bigger migration coming with it. Yeah, and that's a good point because typically, you know, those these guys that you may be listening to the show that are new to duck hunting, Historically, your females are going to show up first, correct, Roland? As far as till season migration goes, pretty much. You know, the, the females will come with the young ones. Um, they're, they're showing them the path down south. That, you know, it's just my opinion, but yeah, females are coming first with the young ones, and then uh, the males, your uh, older ducks, will come in later. Yeah, and, and have you seen any green wings mixed in with what y'all? Mm -mm. I haven't personally uh, killed any green wings, but I've heard of uh, people shooting green wings up, uh, you know, in the rice fields and in the marsh, but we haven't uh, seen it. Uh-oh, we got some technical difficulties.
All right, Roland. Sorry about that. You back with me? I'm back. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, man. Like I said, the internet's up and down right now. We were hoping for the best. So I apologize, guys, on that. Uh, but we back. We got it back up and running. So, Roland, I'm not sure where we left off right there. I know we were talking about kind of what we were seeing out there in the till till season. So, if you want to elaborate back on that and circle back to it, I appreciate it. Yeah, Jacob. Uh, we were talking about you know speak um, as far as the sectional. We started off shooting a lot of females, you know, with the younger birds. And then I'm thinking Wednesday that we're going to get a bigger push, you know, a few from the north because I've got good reports from my friends from Missouri and Arkansas. And they've been killing a lot of teal the last couple of days. So I got a feeling these, these teal are coming through. And with this front Wednesday, I really think the teal hunting will pick up for that last weekend. Yeah, I hope so, man. You know, this front, a lot of guys are kind of excited to round out the season with it. So I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a good thing, man. And I know I had, I had asked you, I'm not sure if you heard this before we lost the connection real quick, but uh, as far as green wings, are y'all killing any green wings mixed in with the blues? I haven't personally seen any, but I got friends of mine that are shooting green wings um, with blue wings. And they they were telling me the last two days that they were seeing more green wings than, you know, out there in the field so green wings are starting to show up yeah that is that and now i mean you may know better than me on this but to me that seems a little early in the season for green wings for the most well, part is that common i mean is that something that we that you normally see out there in teal season if i can remember correctly i, I mean i don't shoot many green wings during the teal season you know, i don't remember the, it either most of the time it's blue wings but every now and then you, you you know uh you shoot a green wing but i will say this i know a lot of my buddies have been shooting a lot of bands you know, so, you know, uh, Louisiana has been banning a lot of teal the last couple of years to seeing where all these birds are going at. And uh, the band recovery rates are of coming bad. I mean, just, just offhand, I know of 20 bands that have been shot. Wow. You know, during teal season. I mean, I know one particular, uh, my buddy John Socia, his outfit, they shot five bands already. Wow. And it's funny you bring that up because I have noticed several guys posting, you know, uh, teal that they kill with bands across the state. So, that's a that's that's pretty cool, man. I mean, that's an added bonus for an early season start to the season, you know. Oh, definitely. I mean, there ain't nothing wrong with a little bling bling in the morning. That's right. That's exactly right. So, well, are you seeing well, as far as other species, any other numbers that you're seeing? You uh, know, go ahead, go ahead, Ron. We've been seeing a few pintails, um, lots of wood ducks. Look like the wood ducks had a pretty good hatch this year. Um, seen heard a couple widgeons, didn't see them, heard them. Um, good few model ducks you know i'm starting to wonder if uh, the model duck population is, is bad because i remember you know teal hunting we used to see a lot of model ducks and uh i find these last couple of years i haven't been seeing a lot of model ducks and i'm wondering if the if the population is, is not as is not that good yeah that's a good point you don't see nearly the numbers reported that people are seeing like you used to you know something one species that i have i have a question that i'm kind of interested to get your take on is uh is whistling ducks tree ducks a lot of guys are seeing whistlers which is not uncommon for this time of year rolling but like the last two seasons personally i've seen whistlers hanging around through the cold months here in louisiana uh, we're seeing a lot of whistlers that are staying here year round i see them in people's ponds just you know on the highways going to work that type of stuff and to where, as a kid, I don't remember the whistlers hanging around year-round like that. Is that something that is becoming more of a year-round species like our wood ducks as compared to what they used to do? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, you know, uh, man, you know, growing up, I don't remember whistlers, 
you know, hanging around uh, in November and, and uh, December. But I will say this, that uh, these whistlers stay around um, all year. I'm going to tell you a story. You know, last year uh, uh, I was guiding up in, in Stuttgart and uh, we were hunting one morning and and this was probably late December. And uh, I, I see a, a, um, a nice flock of about 40 birds come up off of a field. And I'm, I'm thinking they're, they're geese, you know. After you get closer, they're uh, whistling ducks. And I'm like, man, I ain't never seen whistling ducks that late, that far north at this point in the time. So these whistling ducks, are, are uh, they're here to stay. I mean, and they're everywhere, too. They're not just in Louisiana. I mean, uh, there there's a good bit of them in Arkansas and in uh, other states as well. And uh, I really do think uh, wildlife and fisher needs to look at uh, giving us a limit on these birds because it seems like there uh, there's quite a bit around. Yeah, I agree with you, man. We noticed in it over the last couple of years, uh, you know, hunting public land, which is what we hunt 90, 99% of the time. Um, last year, we were seeing whistlers, like I said, in December and January. And uh, we're able to able to get some in our bag limits last year. And uh, and for those of you who have never hunted whistlers or you know tried you know maybe recipes for whistlers, it's actually a very good bird to eat. They are very very good birds to eat. So um, if you do end up taking some, don't think that they're they're a trash bird because they are actually excellent table fare. That's right. You know, going back to that, you know, they eat really well. And uh, I was surprised too when I cooked them um they were very uh very good to eat you know and uh very they were better than some of the other ducks that i've eaten before yep they definitely are they, they they're very very good but uh i agree with you you know you made a good point roland is that wildlife fishers needs to take a look at it uh because man how if we could come up with some sort of adding them to the bag limit you know especially during big duck season and stuff that gives us another opportunity for a bird that's staying down here uh, throughout the year, you know, and it, it just it, it it definitely makes the 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 hunts a little bit more fun, I guess, on those slow days if you could fill a bag limit with some of those, uh, because they're they are a pretty bird, and like I said, they're excellent table fare. So that's something that we do need to take a look at, and hopefully they're they're starting to you know take a look at that. Uh, I know how government is; it's a little slow sometimes, and you know that too. So, uh, but hopefully they're on top of that, and they're they're noticing what we're noticing. And, uh, and the hunters, we have to give them feedback on that type of stuff. So make sure, you know, when you get those surveys and you do that type of stuff, you're making that known that, you know, you're seeing that type of stuff in the field, guys. It, it can only help us in the long run, I think. So, you know, but it's interesting. I wanted to get your take on that. And you mentioned that you're seeing them up in Arkansas and stuff like that. Now, that's a whole other thing that, you know, a lot of people who don't know you, Roland, or or maybe have heard, uh, you've seen you on TV because you, you've been on, you know, several tv shows i know you do a lot with bayou wild i believe um and you have a big event coming up soon if you want to touch base on that uh, i know you've been advertising that kind of tell the listeners what y'all have coming up um that you're going to be doing as far as a guided hunt i think uh, a cajun invasion i think y'all termed it as <laughs> yeah uh, uh don debut and uh martha spencer are good friends of mine and uh we have talked about i've talked to don before you know about coming up to speckle belly hunt with me in uh, stuttgart and he came last year and uh, we had a really good hunt. I mean, as you could tell, it was on Bayou Wild TV. Uh, we talked about doing a, a Cajun invasion. So this year is gonna be the first annual uh, Cajun invasion, which will be October 29th through the 31st. We're gonna hunt, you're gonna come in on the 29th. 
We're going to hunt the 30th and the 31st, which will be at uh, Doug Down Gun Service. You know, Ryan Henderson is a good friend of mine. Uh, he offered uh, his place to hunt speckle bellies on. He's got some really phenomenal world-class speckle belly hunting around there. Uh, his family owns the farm, so it's all private hunting. He's the only person that hunts on his farm. Um, it's really it's going to be featured on Bayou Wild TV, and uh, I can't, we're kind of limited to only 20 guns, which I'm pretty close to the 20 guns of, of having it. So if anybody's interested on that, it'll be October 29th through the 31st. It is um, $900 a person, which is for lodging, meals, everything included, two days of hunting. So if anybody's interested in that, you know, they can get a hold of me um, with it. Man, that's that sounds like a really good deal. Nine hundred dollars a gun for lodging and everything. That's a, that's a hell of a deal, man. So anybody interested? Uh, and once again, how, what's the best way to reach you, Roland, to get in touch with you if um, anybody's interested with for it? The, the best way would be to call me at uh, 95-414-4997. or I mean, you can email me at uh, all lowercase Roland Cortez twenty two ninety eight yahoo dot com. All right. Well, that's simple enough. Sounds good. And anybody, anybody who needs that information, feel free to contact us at uh, Last Stop Waterfowl Doors, and we can get you in touch with Roland. We'll make sure. Because, man, it sounds like that's going to be a fun trip. Uh, and you just about got it booked up, so there's not many spots remaining. So anybody interested, you, uh, you're going to want to get in touch with them as soon as possible because that's right around the corner. Yeah, I don't have many more uh, days left. I'm not quite sure. I'd have to look back at my books, but. I don't have many more. So, yeah, if anybody's interested in it, they need to uh, get a hold of me pretty quick because it's filling up pretty good. And plus, you know, you're going to be featured on, on you know, Bayou Wild TV, um, that too, you know. Yep. That's, that's a, that sounds like a great deal, man. So, you know, Roland, you've been – we talked about at the beginning of the show how you've been all over the place. You've guided now for quite some time. Um, and the last several seasons, as far as I'm aware, you have been up in Stuttgart, Arkansas, Correct. That's correct. Okay. So, you know, a lot of guys down here in Louisiana who have never been up to Arkansas to hunt, uh, they always hear about the historic hunt in Arkansas. Stuttgart's very famous, very well-known for any waterfowl hunter. Um, a lot of guys want to make that trip, ultimately. They want to go up to Arkansas. They want to, they you know, get involved in the hunting up there. Uh, what my question is, is you growing up here in Louisiana and seeing the, the, the heyday of the waterfowl like we discussed earlier in the show versus what it is now versus Arkansas. Kind of what what's the differences that you see up the fly what you see down here nowadays? Like what what can a guy expect when he wants to go to Stuttgart, Arkansas? And what do you recommend is the easiest way to get set up with the hunt going to uh maybe Arkansas? You know, I first started hunting in Stuttgart probably 2008 2009 and man when i first you know i've always read about it in books you know always watch tv shows and man when i went up there that first time i was pumped and it was everything that uh you know i dreamed it would be you know mallard ducks right in your face you know hunting them in the in the flooded timber you know green timber man it, it was it was what it was it was all that i dreamed about and you know up in stuttgart man the historic and Stuttgart, you know, Max Prairie Wings, um, you know, downtown Stuttgart, the World Championship Duck Calling Contest, you know, it's all there in Stuttgart, you know, and, and, and anybody that duck hunts needs to go to Stuttgart at least one time. 
you know, it, it's a phenomenal place to hunt. I've been up there 15 plus years now guiding. And, um, I can see you rolling. I, I don't know if we lost your audio or not. All right, Roland, I can hear you, brother. You got me? I got you. I, I think on both our ends, the Wi-Fi connection is a little shaky right now. Well, going back to what we talked about, um, man, um, I first started hunting up in Stuttgart, like I said, about 2008, 2009. And, uh, man, it was everything I dreamed about reading about in the magazine, you know, mallard ducks in your face in green timber. And that's what Stuttgart is known for, you know, hunting mallards in the woods. And um, I've been very fortunate enough to, to get associated with the right people up there and, and get to hunt up there that long. And, man, I recommend anybody that duck hunts, they need to make a trip stop guard at least one time in your lifetime just to witness the historical, uh, you know, aspect of, of stuck guard itself. Yeah, it, I mean, it's very well known. It's a trip that I've never made personally, but I've, I've always wanted to add that to my bucket list. And now my sons, they get into the age where my oldest one, he's 13 almost, uh, and he's he's ready to kind of go out of state. He wants to make one of those trips. This year we're actually looking at making a trip to Oklahoma. I know that's a big a big destination that's real hot over the last several years. We're looking forward to that. But, you know, going back to Arkansas, what are the differences that you see? Uh, do you see with Arkansas now you starting to hear numbers of a decline kind of there? Uh, just like we've seen here in Louisiana, it seems like the birds aren't necessarily making their way uh, down to Arkansas quite like they used to. Is that something that you guiding over the last, you know, however many years you've seen a decline in the birds as well in Arkansas? Or is that something that's that's not really uh, an issue that you see? Well, Jacob, you know, when I first started hunting up there, we mostly hunted in the river bottom, which is the woods. You know, and then uh, we started venturing out more into the rice field. And, uh, man, from 2008 till about 2015, the, the, the mallard hunting was phenomenal. I mean, I was limiting out probably 80% of the time on, on mallards. Now, I've noticed uh, I've been hunting in the fields now since 2015, and I've noticed a decline in duck numbers. You know, speckle belly numbers have gone up. Goose numbers have gone up. But by duck numbers that fall, you know, usually the I hunt one particular farm and I hunt one particular blind because it's probably the best blind on the farm. And I was averaging about a thousand ducks, you know, a season. And um, but I've also noticed a decline since then. Now, this past season was the worst I've ever seen it in, up there because we did not get any type of push of ducks. It started off strong. I mean, I was limited, I limited out for the first nine days. And then we went into the first split. We came back into the second split, which is early December, which was good. But after that, it fell off. We didn't get any migration. Now, the goose hunt, the speckled belly hunting has been awesome up there, which which is getting better and better every year. But I've, the duck numbers are steady declining up there. And um, 
I got a, I just don't, I got a feeling it's got a lot to do with the weather, but it ha I have seen a decline and, and I've, I've talked to a lot of people up there and it's starting to seem like they're, uh, you know, the ducks are just not coming there anymore. Yeah. They're, they're kind of experiencing for what it sounds like kind of what we've gone through here uh, in Louisiana. Now, I know when we talked about the decline here in Louisiana, we talked about invasive species. Is that something that Arkansas deals with like we dealing with down here in Louisiana? Or is it for other reasons that those birds may not be making their way to Arkansas? No, no Jacob. I, they don't have the, um, the type of aquatic, I mean, invasive aquatics that we have in Louisiana because actually in Arkansas, when it gets cold, it gets cold. Okay. Now, the biggest, the biggest thing that I see and uh, I'm going to, you know, is that um, pressure is what's, what I feel is, is hurting up there. You know, there's so many people that come to Stuttgart to want to hunt that pressure plays a lot to do on duck numbers, you know, and where they go at. And, um, you know, pressure management is, is a key effect of their, you know, managing how you hunt your field or how you hunt your blind in order to kill ducks consistently every day up there. Because when you don't get a big push of ducks or you're not getting these cold fronts, you know, these warmer winters are hurting us, you know, up there. And, and um, I just think that the pressure and the mild winters are, are affecting, you know, that Stuttgart area a lot. Yeah. You know, that you bring up a very good point. I had a discussion with my, my childhood best friend this week. Uh, he's a big, big waterfowl hunter, big outdoorsman. He hunts like us rolling whatever season it is he's he's typically out in the woods hunting something but uh we talked about you know pressure hunting pressure with all the hunters nowadays and you know we what we were discussing is that they say that the number of waterfowl hunters is on the decline you know throughout that when they look at license sales every year they say that that number tends to be dropping but on the flip side of that you know we hunt public land like i mentioned earlier a lot um you know, and it seems like every year the pressure seems to be increasing in all the public land areas that we hunt. Um, there's more and more hunters coming to those areas. And I told him, I said, you know, for the first several years when they started saying that the numbers of hunters were declining, I didn't believe it. And I said, you know what, that can't be because we're seeing a lot of guys every year more and more seems like showing up. But what I've come to realize over the years, and this is just my opinion, is that what it is is the amount of public land that is available to us as hunters to hunt is shrinking. We talked about loss of land a while ago. You mentioned, uh, we talked about, you know, aquatic vegetation, invasive species taking over holes that used to be open and water that used to be open is now not open. It's become land, you know, basically or islands. It's just not available and not duck habitat. So what I think it is personally is that that amount of land that we have available to waterfowl hunt is doing this. It's shrinking, you know, therefore forcing all the hunters to those specific areas, which is why to me it looks like there's more and more hunters every year. So that's just my theory on it. And he, he seemed to agree with that. Um, is that something you feel maybe why it seems like more hunters are showing up on public land now in the same areas? Yeah, without a doubt, because getting permission to hunt private land is almost impossible today. So everybody that duck hunt, you know, hunts public land, and I hunt public land also. You know, a place that I hunted a long time ago used to have 20 cars. Now it has 200 cars there. Why? Because 
you know, getting permission to hunt on private land is hard to do these days. So everybody wants to, I mean, everybody's coming to public land and, you know, license sales are on the decline, but you're seeing more people, which, I mean, getting permission to hunt private land is hard these days. So everybody's wanting to hunt public land. And same thing happens in Arkansas. You know, the difference between Louisiana and Arkansas is that everybody wants to go to Arkansas to hunt mallards. So you got people from multiple states that come to Arkansas, Louisiana, most people don't travel to come to Louisiana. You know, most people are local. So, and I think that's the big difference. You know, I want to say annually Arkansas sells, you know, maybe a hundred thousand, um, you know, hunting license. And a lot of that is, is, you know, non-resident, you know, too, you know, that's interesting, man. Yeah, I know, you know, it's a big destination spot, so that makes a lot of sense. You know, you talked about permission for, for hunting, you know, property and stuff like that. And uh, we had some guys that uh, that contacted us last season that listened to the show, and they were talking about making a trip down to Louisiana, and they said, hey, they said, uh, you know, they were from up north, you know, in the Dakotas, actually, is where the guys were from. And they were talking about coming down to Louisiana and where would be a good place to ask for, uh, you know, maybe public land or I'm sorry, private land permission to hunt property down here if I had any recommendations. And I started laughing. I said, man, I said, that's really not something you want to do down in Louisiana. It's not, it's just, that's right. you know, it's as good a people as we have down here in Louisiana and, and will help their neighbors out when it comes to hunting, you know, property and them having public land versus private land. The people who own private land, they hold on to that and cherish it very dearly. It's not a place that you hear some of those stories like up north where you're going to come down, go knock on a door, and you're going to uh, ask to hunt that 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 guy's farm or or rice field, or whatever. I said you'll probably get greeted with a shotgun, uh, you know. So it's a little different from what I hear the stories up north. But uh, you know, hunting in Arkansas is that something that you've you've done before? You've you've knocked on doors, got permission, or you kind of just always had you know a setup where you were tied into that that was a you know you had access to hunt. Pretty much, uh, Jacob, all the land that I've hunted in Stuttgart is, is private property. Now, don't get me wrong, we do hunt, you know, public land. Uh, Arkansas has some really good WMAs. I, I'm, at this time, I'm not going to, you know, say which WMAs I've hunted, but um, there is some good public land in the state of Arkansas to hunt. But yeah. I've hunted private land most of, most of my time up there, so. Yeah, that, that that's that's a that's a good point you make there. But uh, you know, it's uh this year you from what I understand you're gonna be making your way down to Louisiana, staying home a little bit more uh, during Big Duck season. If I'm not correct, am I am I right on that? Yeah, I, I've decided uh, to change a, change my path a little bit. I'm gonna step away from you know being in Arkansas for uh, seventy days a year, and I'm gonna focus more you know on hunting back in Louisiana, you know, going back to my roots and uh, just staying in the value state and, and, and duck hunting more. Well, good, man. We're glad to have you down here for sure. Um, I know you mentioned to me that you're going to be up in North Louisiana during big duck season. Uh, I think you're, you're going to be guiding, uh, for a guide service up in North Louisiana. Is that correct? Kind of fill us in on what's going on there. Yeah, I'm going to be helping some, um, at a guide service up in, uh, Northeast Louisiana. Um, they're more of a, uh, you know, higher end uh, guide service, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It's a new adventure for me um, this year, and um, I'm, I'm it's looking promising. You know, as far as as the opportunities for me. Well, good man, glad to hear that. Good people have good things come to them. I've been a firm believer of that, man, and it's 
Roland, you you as good of a guy as any that I've met before, man. And uh, I really I, I wish you the best, and uh, I hope it, it all pans out for you. Uh, and if any anytime you want to come on the show, man, we we'd love to have you again. I want to thank you for your time this week joining us. I hope you guys have enjoyed getting to know Roland Cortez, uh, great guy, uh, excellent waterfowl hunter. And uh, Roland, is there anything else that you'd like to in closing kind of leave out there or how they could get in touch with you? Uh, once again, as far as uh, booking that trip, let's recap that. What's what's the best way if anybody's interested in the Cajun invasion? Uh, how can they get in touch with you? Let's let them know that again, Roland. Well, Jacob, if anybody is interested in the Cajun invasion hunt, like I said, I have a few spots open. Um, it's going to be from October 29th to the 31st in Stuttgart, Arkansas at uh, Duck Down Guide Service. Um, we'll hunt the 30th and the 31st. You know, speckle bellies and, you know, snow goose season's open. We may shoot a few Canada. just depends on what's in the area. But uh, you can contact me at 985-414-4997. If anybody during the bitter duck season is looking to hunt ducks and speckle bellies, they can also contact me at that number. I can um, either book them with myself or book them with somebody else. And other Jacob, it's been a pleasure, man, to be on here. I am very humble, you know, to do what I do. And if um, I love, you know, teaching people on, uh, you know, what I do for, for, for a living, you know, I mean, this passion of mine is, or an obsession has turned into a, a, you know, a dream of mine to, you know, to hunt every day during duck season. So I'm very blessed, man, to, to get to do what I do. You are, you are very blessed. I have to say that, man. Uh... And you're a good guy, like I mentioned. So anybody interested, I highly recommend giving a giving Roland a call, shoot him a message on social media. Check out if you're not following Roland on social media, Roland, what's your Instagram handle for guys to find you? Uh, on my Instagram, it'll be uh, Duckman70301. You know, Facebook, it'll be, you know, my name. And um, that's about it. But if anybody needs any help with, uh, you know, duck calling, spec calling, you know, or, or just wanting to know any type of information on, on hunting. You know, we didn't even, uh, uh, Jacob, step into my, you know, my duck calling background. You know, I mean, hell, I've been uh, competition duck calling since uh, 1999. I've got, you know, I've got a few titles under my, my belt. I'm not a world champion, but, you know, I, I've got a few titles under my belt. Um, I'm really good at that, you know. And I said, if anybody needs any help in duck calling, you know, or just duck hunting in general, I'm here for them. You know, if they need help learning how to blow a duck call or a spec call, all they got to do is shoot me a message, and I'll, and I'll definitely uh, love to help them out on learning how to blow, you know, a, a, a duck or a goose call. And that's a really good point you mentioned. There's a lot of guys that are new to the sport, you know, that uh, that come into the sport. Um, and, and, you know, coming in as a new, a new hunter, uh, you may not have those basics down on calling, you know. And a lot of guys that I've hunted with that are new hunters, that's a good point, Roland. Um, they they kind of shy. They stray away from calling when they hunt, you know, with their buddies because they they're embarrassed to you know blow a duck call or a goose call. So those of you who are, are into the sport, you're getting into it, you're new to it, and you don't know what what an experienced guy knows or how to blow that goose call or duck call. Man, get in touch with Roland. Like you said, he is he's the guy to to talk to. He would be more than willing to help you out. And uh, I mean, hell, you make a great. You know, a great connection with somebody who's experienced and done it all in the waterfowl industry, and uh, and just a good guy. So that's a that's that's something that I would highly recommend to you who are breaking into the sport. So, 
but Roland, like I said, man, I'm so I'm so appreciative of you coming on the show this week. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I know the guy, the guys listening to the show on a regular basis are going to enjoy it, uh, listening to what you had to say. And you are right. We need to do another show uh, where we talk about calling, man. I'm going to have to get you back on, and we'll, we'll do that a little later. We'll, we'll touch on some stuff with your experience with uh, with calling and championship calling, all that type of stuff, man. So we'll do it again. But uh, just wanted to tell you thank you. I appreciate having you on, man. Wish you the best, and uh, maybe we can hook up this season and we can uh, make a hunt together, man. Jacob, man, again, thank you, bro. It's been a pleasure of mine to be on this show. You know, and yeah, man, look, I'd love to put you and your boys on some birds this season. You know, I mean, look me up, man. I mean, even though we're going to hunt some some public land, I'd love to put y'all on some birds, you know, and, and I just want to talk no ducks with you. That's it. We're going to do it, man. That's why we're doing this. This whole podcast started because of our love for waterfowl hunting, man, so – we have it in our blood just like you do, and uh, and we want to share our experiences with all the listeners out there. And we, I'm no expert by any means, but you know what? When you surround yourself by a lot of educated people in the sport like you, man, you learn a lot, and it's a, it's a learning experience. We all learn a little bit every day. That's right, and I've been very fortunate in my life to be around a lot of good, you know, duck and goose hunters. And, man, you know, God has blessed me with a lot of things. That's right. That's correct. Keep it in perspective. That's what I always tell my boys. Keep it in perspective. Well, Roland, thank you so much, man. We're gonna we're gonna visit soon again, and uh, we're gonna keep in touch with the uh, how till season ends up next week, rounds out the end of the season, and uh, let us know how that goes, man. We want to hear how how y'all end up finishing out the season. All right. Thank you so much, Jacob. I appreciate it, man. Anytime, buddy. We'd love to have you on again. You have a good day, okay? You too, Jacob. God bless. All right. Take care. God bless. All right, guys. Well, we're going to close out right there. I hope you guys enjoyed the uh, the interview that we had with Mr. Roland Cortez. Just an absolute phenomenal guy, man. And uh, Roland, like I said, I have reached out to him. He's reached out to me on social media. He listens to the show on a regular basis, follows us on social media. And uh, we've been wanting to do this for quite some time, get together. I do apologize for a couple of disruptions in the podcast, guys. Hope you guys don't mind. Like I said, major hurricane coming. We wanted to kick off season four during till season here of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. We had scheduled this podcast with Roland for quite some time, and uh, we wanted to bring it to you guys while till season was going on. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, until next time, guys, this is Jacob with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors signing off. And, guys, if you're watching on YouTube, quick reminder, if you enjoyed this podcast and all our content, Click that subscribe button so you guys catch all the podcasts on YouTube as well as all our video content that we put on there. And you can check us out if you want to stream this podcast. You can check us out on anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you get your favorite podcast, guys. Until next time, we'll see you out in the field. This is Jacob once again with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. Y'all take care, guys. Have a good one.